This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to Total Saints Podcast. Yes, the roses have wilted, the chocolates scoffed, and the hastily arranged spa voucher shut away in a drawer. Valentine's is over for another year. So TSP returns, firstly discussing this past weekend's game against Aston Villa and the great 2-0 win. As well as that, we'll look ahead to the upcoming fixture against David Moyes, West Ham United. And in the middle, we'll provide a latest TSP FPL update with the final run to the end of the season well underway. Joining us as ever are the varied opinions and emotions of Steve, Lucy and Glenn. Guys, uh, obviously we didn't do one after Burnley, so I can't imagine there were any real withdrawal symptoms, bearing in mind the result. No, I, it was um, it was quite nice to have a few days to because uh, the the game was on Saturday and I did the the ugly inside uh, live podcast thing on um, on Thursday, so I'd had a few days to get it out of my system. So I was a little bit calmer than I would have been otherwise. But uh, no, it was uh, good to get that one out of the way. Um, on behalf of all of us, we don't have to talk about it today. <laughs> no, no, totally. And of course, there was Storm Dennis as well. I, I wrote down here because I, I was catching the train back up from London and there was. Uh, puddles everywhere to be fair all the way up the uh, the country so i was going to ask how it's been in sheffield lucy because i was thinking you're probably the furthest west so you probably get hit first before the rest of us do it's not too bad um being the right side of uh, the peaks helps i think manchester gets a lot worse than we do mm. um but we were due to go down south for valentine's which we had to cancel because oh of storm dennis oh dear. which oh dear. you know wasn't not so good but you know we you know we're all right up here um apart from we have a leaking roof but other than that 
<laughs> oh, no, no, that's not rubbish. I didn't ask now. All of a sudden, we've now got a really long list of things that are rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but yeah, for those of you around the world that have missed it, the weather in the UK, uh, I mean, obviously it's always bad here, but it's been even worse the last couple of weeks with, uh, what do we have, Storm Brendan, Storm Kiara, Storm... Uh, Dennis and I think Storms is it Elena or something's on the way now but uh, unbelievably yesterday in Scotland for the first time in my life we had lightning and snow at the same time I've never experienced that before but there we go but uh, only in Scotland yeah exactly well we get uh, all four seasons in one day most days but uh, let, um, before we move on I'd just like to give uh, John in Canada a shout out uh, after he got in touch uh, with myself last week John is a trucker that's trucker across Canada who uh, avidly listens to the pod when uh, heading up and down the Canadian highway so I just wanted to say very uh, kind of you to get in touch John thanks for uh, you know listening to the pod and uh, obviously keep driving safely in the meantime we're going to get uh, stuck into it partner with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk this is TSP 103 I'd really love a hot tub but I don't know where to start how easy is the process it's as easy as one two three who are you I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk Saints took on Aston Villa in the middle of our claret and blue run of fixtures, which uh, was post-Burnley pre-West Ham. Thanks to Brian Northover in the States for pointing that out to me earlier this week as well. Ultimately ending in a resounding home win for the lads. Um, Steve, just before I come to you, I just wanted to give the uh, Southampton Australian supporters a shout-out because, of course, they've had their road trip up in Brisbane this past weekend. I think that was the first time they'd seen Saints win on any of their road trips. So uh, a big shout-out to Trevor, John and all the guys there. But, uh, yeah, Steve, very much job done. And finally, a Premier League double for us to celebrate yeah and I mean to be honest I don't think it was really in well in much doubt um I mean Villa were god awful um I mean again yeah I mean they they were they're certainly the worst visiting team that's come to us this season um I mean to be honest if we were a bit more clinical in front of goal you could have filed them alongside our Leicester performance. Mm. Um, they were that bad. And yet somehow we're, we're only making the game safe with a hilarious breakaway goal for, from a corner in the 95th minute. Um, so, yeah, I mean, frustrating to an, to an extent that it came to that. But no, excellent performance. As I say, the only criticism is we should have should have finished them off earlier. It should have been probably four nil at half time, to be honest. Yeah, and Glenn, I mean, it did have the potential to look like a tricky fixture for Saints on paper, bearing in mind our home record and uh, you know Villa obviously being a pretty hard team to predict. I know they're generally been pretty poor, but you know they played okay against Spurs last weekend, that sort of thing. But you know, Steve said there, 28 shots to four, three of those Villa shots were blocked shots rather than on target or off target. But yeah, I mean, it, it did reaffirm really how one sided it all was. I think when you look back on it, it, it was very comfortable. But mm. for about 75 minutes, I was kind of thinking to myself, we'd have to have a calamity to let them score because they are that bad. Yeah. They they were dreadful. I mean, they're, they're one tactic. They've got one good player going forward. And they, you know, every second pass goes out to Grealish. But he was very well marshaled by Walprouse and Armstrong. I thought they did a did a terrific job on him. Um and we did our thing that we do now is that any time he dropped into his own half, someone kicked him. So that was, um, that, was uh, that was something we seem to have added to our game recently. Um, now Villa were awful, and I 
you know, I mean, you were never 100% comfortable with Saints when they're only one goal up with a few minutes to go. But they, when uh, you're three goals, you're still not comfortable. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah, we, we might get a draw sort of thing. But um, it was it was as comfortable as can be, really. And um, and I agree with Steve. They're, they're by far the worst team I've seen at St Mary's this season. And if they play like that against Man City next week, they're going to get beat by 10. <laughs> they, they were that bad. Yeah. And, and look, I was going to ask Lucy this question. Then actually, when I read it back, I thought it would be totally inappropriate. So Lucy, I'll come to you afterwards. But a bright start from uh, Saints was obviously capped by... Uh, the uh, early Shane Long goal, um, Glenn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we've, that was inappropriate. Yeah, well, exactly. I couldn't think that the first question of the week dropped. was. Uh, yeah, the first question of the week with Talisi was about Shane Long's uh, schlong, but there we go. But uh, yeah, I mean, Glenn, obviously uh, good for Shane Long to score, but yeah, uh, you know, certain part of his anatomy as well. I mean, it was at the other end from where I'm, I'm sat, and it was. Um, See, it looked like it looked like he just got in front of the defender and scored a, you know. A really good goal but then when you when you saw the replay I thought oh that that's just it him right there and yeah. um and gone in I mean it's, it's going to be interesting because the, are they going to have to redo VAR now because now someone's scored with that part of their body are they you know some of the bigger lads are they going to have to sort of like take that into account in case that's the furthest place forward that you might be able to score a goal with I don't I know mean, I'd love to see you run with that as your furthest place forward <laughs> yeah I know I mean, someone will do it I'm yeah. sure but, it'll, bring, it'll uh, bring a new phrase to sort of six inches offside or something won't it? but let's, I think oh, we should no. move on quite anyway, quickly I think we should on. move on quite quickly but what Swift I was going to say was that's nine goals for Shane Long now against Aston Villa obviously as an ex-baggy as well I'm sure they enjoy that Glenn but just briefly you know good for him uh, the the recent run I think it's what three and five three and six for him now yeah I mean he's, he's getting the reward for you know he's got himself in the team he's playing well most weeks and he you know as most strikers are they're confidence players he's got a couple of goals and uh, you know as as with the tail end of last, well, this time last year he went on a little run didn't he where he scored five or six goals whatever it was and uh and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully that continues to the end of the season. Um, mm. And you know, he he deserves the he deserves the luck that he uh, he got with the um, the rebound the other week that dropped straight to him in front of goal. And uh, and uh, however he put that ball in the net on uh, on Saturday he deserves that as well. Yeah, right. Well, let's draw a line under that. Lucy, I feel more comfortable to come to you now. But uh, look, I mean, obviously there was no Redmond uh, or Walker Peters for Saints, so it meant uh, a little jig around for um, Ralph in terms of personnel. So Prousey obviously went to right back. Will Smallbone maybe surprisingly came in in uh, centre midfield, but just focusing on Smallbone, which again, you know, seems a rather sort of uncomfortable name, bearing in mind what we've just spoken about. But there we go. Um, what did you make of his Premier League debut, Lucy? Um, very impressive, actually. And I think for a long time we've been concerned about the lack of depth and the kind of lack of options we have in central midfield. It seems that when Hoybier and Walprouse aren't available to fill in those spots. There have been concerns about Romeo's ability to move the ball on and keep things ticking over as you need to in the system. And I think, you know, Smallbones made a great case to be kind of a regular member of the 18, I think. Mm. Um, he looked very mature, I thought, as well, um, in the kind of way he distributed the ball and and moved up the pitch. Um, it's a really positive thing. I think always with young players, particularly when they're probably playing in a style they're not completely used to, we all expect a bit of inconsistency. And I I don't think he'll be a kind of regular starter because Walker Peters injury presumably isn't a big one. I think they said, you know, it would be a few days or a week or so. Um, so I don't think it'll be kind of a long term thing, but it's it's great to know that there are more options available in the squad. And speaking of options, I thought Gineppo was, mm. you know, in talking about that long goal was massively improved on on the Burnley game where I felt he looked really nervous and and kind of passed the ball back a lot didn't want to take people on and he was completely the opposite yesterday 
Um, and I do have to say, kind of in comparing those two games, Burnley did everything we hate and everything we kind of struggle with, mm. and Villa did absolutely none of it, um, <laughs> which was partly why we got away with being fairly wasteful, really. Um, I think other teams, we, we wouldn't have got away with it. But no, I think, again, kind of seen more of the depth in the squad, um, and Armstrong's really secured that place on the right wing now, it looks like. And Steve, we were just on the, in that number with Ray and the, the guys, so you know, quick shout out to them, thanks for having us on. But we were talking on there, weren't we, about maybe the fact was that he went for Smallbone over Romeo in terms of Smallbone, as I think Ralph Hasenhutor said, you know, he likes him because he doesn't take many touches, he moves the ball on quickly. Maybe he's a little bit more attacking focused than Romeo, who can be quite slow and cumbersome, and maybe that might have invited Aston Villa onto us. So maybe that was the you know, reasoning behind that decision. Yeah, I mean, I think against the team with the worst defensive record in the league and I think the worst away away record, I think bringing Romeo in um, into that central midfield role sends out completely the wrong message. Mm. And, I mean, as you say, Romeo can be a little bit cumbersome in possession at times. Um, quite often his positional play isn't, isn't great. He's quite often caught the wrong side, which is why he ends up then giving away a, ta- a tactical foul and then getting booked. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, Smallbone came in. I mean, let's let's be honest. You wouldn't have thrown him in against Burnley last week, no. um, because I mean, he's he's quite lightweight. But I mean, against Villa, he was he was given all the time and space in the world. And yeah, he was given absolutely ideal, perfect conditions for him to for him to make his debut. He he would not wish for an easier. Um, sort of spell of it in in the centre of midfield because I mean against Burnley he'd have got the absolute hell kicked out of him yeah. and he'd have, he'd have probably barely had a kick. I think you kind of need that sort of comfortable running to sort of get yourself up to speed and, and work out what professional football is like because obviously you can, play, you can play as many under twenty three games or uh, preseason friendlies or 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 whatever level that is mm. as you like. It's never going to come close to the intensity of playing professional adult football at the highest level and getting a comfortable way into it can only do his confidence the world of good yeah i'd be surprised if he plays next week but um it's a great start for him yeah and glenn you mentioned after the huddersfield game you'd obviously watched him a fair bit in the under 23s and big fan of him and you know it's important we don't get carried away and build him up into something that he's not you know it's one game and good on him but there's still lots of development to do but in terms of the club you know with the likes of obafemi and him coming through jake vakins to a certain extent i guess it's good you know to sort of see the academy producing players again that ralph feels comfortable to uh, put in the first team and you know i guess just from the point of view of hasen selecting him the faith that that shows in smallbone that he's willing to give him a chance in such an important game because arguably you could have looked to that as a, a bit of a six-pointer yeah I mean it it was a big call to put him in I think most people would have anticipated Warprouse being at right back and most people would have put Romeo in the side yep. um so it was a bit of a moment when the selection initially came up and and it was like is this one of Ralph's funny ones like Vestergaard last week where you sort of think what is he doing here but it uh, it did work very well and it and, and it's always good to see you know, young players come through and uh, and actually get picks. And it, it gives, I think Raddy Jaidi used to say this, it gives the under-23 players a lift and it, it, mm. it reaffirms to them that if they do well, there is a chance of them getting on the pitch. It's not like, you know, the big London clubs and whatnot where you, you, you have no no pathway through. Uh, you know, it's one of those Southampton Way things, which mm. is a bit bit of a cringe as we all know but it, you know it is something that we um we pride ourselves on and it's it, you know it's always good when when people come through and so 
long may that continue and hopefully there's a couple more next season. Unsurprisingly, Will Smallbone was a very proud lad after the game. Here's what he had to say to SouthamptonFC.com. Yeah, I thought we were good, to be fair. We played very well first half. We were a bit disappointed at half-time when we went in that we weren't a few more ahead, but we said we were playing well, and second half it was a bit more of a grind, but we got the goal at the end to, to seal it. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what we're looking to do going into the game, to, to keep a clean sheet, and then we can build from there to, to get the three points. And Yeah, I thought we defended very well and took our chances when, when we got yeah, I felt more confident out there today because obviously training with these guys every day that they give you good bits of advice and everyone was helpful for me out there today and I was just yeah happy to be out there and then just try and first few minutes of the game just get a few good touches in and build my way into the game. Yeah, no, everyone was great. They like with the Huddersfield game, they're saying just uh, good bits of advice, just go out there and stay calm and they all helped me out there. Yeah, it's perfect because you know that if you're playing well, training well, that, that he's not afraid to, to put you in. And like he showed today to put me in, it shows that we're at the right club to progress. Yeah, no, especially, yeah, I was a bit gutted because I was cramping up a bit. But yeah, I was happy with the, to come off and obviously the fans were great today, weren't they? So, perfect. And Lucy, look, moving on, you mentioned um, Gineppo there. I, I had some notes here um, just about, you know, you could probably make a case for man of the match for any of those outfield players yesterday because they all put in a, a good shift. But I thought particularly focusing on Gineppo, who you mentioned earlier, because we didn't have Redmond. You know, Buffel obviously wasn't fully fit. It was a game where we really needed Gineppo to sort of stand up. Um, I think I saw that he ran 11.26 kilometres, which I worked out into old money, was about seven and a half miles. So he certainly put the yards in. He set up the first goal. You know, he looked back to his best in, in a game where we really needed him. Yeah, and I was I was pretty surprised to see it, as I said, based on the Burnley game, mm. where he did look so far from it. And I had wondered... You know, being in and out of the team and maybe had an effect on his confidence or, you know, that there were kind of issues um, in those kinds of terms. But he, yeah, he was brilliant. He just looked much more like the Gineppo we'd seen earlier in the season that had got everyone kind of so excited around the club. Mm. And in that goal kind of showed a little bit of ingenuity, you know, that outside of his right foot to get it back into the middle. Um, but I, I think, again, <laughs> I feel like a broken record here, but Villa... You know, they just made it so easy for him. Mm. Um, they made it so easy for all of our attackers, really. Just so lacking in intensity in the way they approached the ball. And it was almost like they hadn't played us already this season. It was almost like it was a complete shock the way we played and, mm. and they caught off guard. And it took them, what, 65, 70 minutes to work out the best way to play us, by which time the game had gone away from them. Um, I, I just found it bizarre, really, considering where they are in the league, um, to be so passive in the way that they approach the game. Um, and I, you know, I fear for them really ahead of mm. the League Cup final. You know, given Gineppo, while a great winger on his day, he he's not a patch on half of what City have. So um, if if they can't get to grips with him, I really do worry for them. <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, look, Steve, I mean, just focusing on Villa briefly, um, I think all of us on the podcast here highly rate Jack Grealish. I think it's probably the nicest way of putting it. When he's not rolling around on the floor, he's a very, very good, talented young player. Um, you know, Ralph had said Thursday that they didn't have any special plans or they weren't going to make any special plans for him. I was expecting all of us to be reaffirming that quote today to go, well, that worked out well, didn't it? But uh, the fact was, Prousey did a very, very good job on him, like he's done with Zaha, uh, you know, against Palace, that sort of thing. And it is almost a case of stop Grealish, stop Villa. Yeah, and I think mo- most people will have will have probably identified that in the build-up to, um, to yesterday's game. I think Villa just aren't very good. And when, Gre- when Grealish is kind of nullified, mm. then there's no creativity in that team. 
target was trying to overlap as as much as he could, but more often than not, we were pushing them back. So there was there was no outlet for them. Um, the lad up front, I mean, Samata. Samata. Matter, um, he had nothing. No, there was there was no service, and whenever the ball went anywhere near him, there was like there wasn't a single Villa player within thirty yards. So, I mean, I, I just don't quite understand what Villa were trying to do yesterday. I mean, this whole the whole passing passing out from the back thing only works if you do it with kind of a sense of enthusiasm. Is probably the wrong word, but a little bit of impetus behind it. The way they were passing it around. Um, between uh, Rayner and Mings and um, and Hauser, it was as if it was just a kick around in the park. There was yeah. no ur- there was no urgency at all. And then once we pressed them, they'd try and dink it into someone in the midfield. By which time we'd already pushed up the 15 yards to squeeze the space. It was like in their heads. I think they thought they were Brazy and Ronald Koeman and uh, you know some of the other famous players that could just spray the ball around from the back. But yeah, I mean it turns out they're not. They're Pepe Rayner and Mings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, to be fair, I think Rayner had a good game. I mean, his first mm. half especially made made two or three very good saves. Yeah, but to but... be fair, he almost put himself in those positions making the yeah, saves by shooting well, twice. Yeah. Clearances, but yeah, sorry, bad clearances. <laughs> Can't swear on this podcast. Apologies. <laughs> bad clearances. Oh, here, here we go. <laughs> it's, it's not me this time. Um, yeah, no swearing. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah that's fair. Sorry. Um, yeah, that, that that is fair. But I think a lot of it is. That there were no options. Mm. Like um, two or three times, he tried to play it out to um, Gilbert on the right, but because he'd kind of gone into a position where Rayner was having to dink it directly over an on- oncoming attacker, which you wouldn't ever want to do. So he'd then have to lift it higher, and as a result, he'd ping it out of play. Gilbert was hopeless though, and yeah. he, he he didn't He's want the ball. He's been hopeless in many games. He season. he wanted to be anywhere else other than being the guy receiving that ball. He <laughs> he didn't want to know. Turned his back, ran the other way, and yeah. that's that was half the problem with them trying to play out from the back. But it did surprise me that when there's nothing on, you know, Rainer's very very experienced. Mm. Why are you dinking a ball into the centre midfield? Just mm. if there's nothing on, just whack it. You know it. it surprised me that and uh, yeah, the, calls, the problem, the problem with doing problem. that is that as I said just now I mean Samata's not the biggest of um, centre forwards I mean he's he's got um, he's got bulk but he's not like six foot five or anything like that so there's he's not going to be winning everything in, mm. in the air so even if Rayner does go long the ball's just coming straight back we nailed that completely and the cherry on the cake then Lucy um, Pepe Franco Brazy Rayner I'm going to call him now uh, up for a corner a confident McCarthy punch, which I thought was great to see, bearing in mind the carnage that was around him. A 50-yard crossfield pass from uh, Che Adams. A lung-busting run from one end of the pitch to the other by Stuart Armstrong. He was uh, defending the corner on the near post. And then a cool, calm and collective finish in the 95th minute. Lovely stuff. Yeah, he must have felt that pressure when he ran onto that. I think he'd mentioned after the game that he had so long to think about it and he, he wasn't kind of comfortable with that. Um, but no, it was a brilliant goal. And I have to say... I know, I know I have a little bit of a campaign, but I'm going to carry on. Adams, brilliant ball. Like, yeah, yeah. That he just turned the defender, worked some space, and then he just hit it. And I did think at the time, was a lovely Whoa, where's he sprayed that? But yeah, perfectly weighted. Um, <laughs> and Rainer didn't really bother as far as no, I can he tell. Didn't. I think he's still he running like, back now. Oh, he's it's gone. It's like Sunday afternoon. I think he's still yeah. running back. He's on the halfway like, line. I'm a goalkeeper. Yeah. I don't do running. I'm a goalkeeper. <laughs> 37-year-old Champions League winners don't, yeah. don't, don't come back in corners. <laughs> no. That, that summed them up, though. They didn't want to run. They didn't mm. want to do the they didn't want to do the tough stuff yeah. and that that whole move at the end it's like well I can't be bothered. Yeah. You he know, didn't and try to block the shot either. 
the defender getting back were just like... Mm. The, the defender seemed to be... It, it was almost as if he was running a race and he had he actually he had, had a lane yeah, They run. said on Match of the Day, they said it was like he was in a lane and he couldn't move out of it. <laughs> well, I think he was trying to get back. It was like a rush keeper. He was trying to get back in goal without thinking that I, I actually, if I actually go out to Armstrong, I, yeah. I might block yeah. it. But yeah, I, I think just going back to Che Adams briefly, I know Glenn's been quite critical, you know, fair enough, probably, but... He set up the winner at Leicester. He set up the, the pass mm-hmm. yesterday. So even though he's not scoring, Lucy, in terms of the Shea Adams campaign, at least that's going to give him some confidence, you know, that he is adding value to the team. Yeah, I hope so. I think criticism is fair. I don't think he does, at the moment, enough off the ball. And I think in a system like ours, that's obligatory. You can't really not do that. And as a striker, um, he's not scored a goal. And yes, as a striker, he's not yeah, scored a goal. Slight you, issue you... there. <laughs> oh, it's never stopped Shane Long before, is it? <laughs> Um, Shane Long scored with his you know what didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, stop yeah. Charlie Austin for the most part either <laughs> and at least he doesn't mouth off like Charlie true, Austin exactly, so. yeah, true. Um, yeah I think there have been criticisms about the, the, the off the ball stuff but I do think a lot of what he does is the right kind of thing I think he's had a lot of bad luck when it comes to finishing in front of goal um, admittedly some of it's poor finishing but I think other other elements of it as particularly early in the season where he was given a run he didn't get the rub of the green. And I, I think he's going to be one of those players, particularly when you come from the championship, which is a completely different league in style and expectation. I think it's going to take him probably a full summer under Ralph, presumably with more investment in the squad or kind of changes to the squad. So the rumours seem to be that there will be significant change one way or another. I think it's going to be a point where he needs that time to get to grips with things. Um and I think there are several players around the squad that have had that problem. And I think he's given that time. I think he can still be a useful member of the squad and hopefully get a little bit more than just the odd 15 or 20 minutes at the end of a game, which can be good, um, but doesn't always give you the best conditions to integrate yourself, I don't think. Well, unsurprisingly, Ralph Hasenhutl was also a happy man. Here's what he had to say to SouthamptonFC.com. We knew that we had to uh, turn things uh, right and, and uh, after the Burnley game it was important that we show a reaction and I think we started very well today against an opponent who gave us more chances to win balls early and then uh, we know that uh, it fits more to us and, and the first half was fantastic the only negative was that we didn't score more often. We had massive chances and um, yeah. And then it's always 1-0, you never know what happens, second half, um, you must stay concentrated. We, we didn't have so much possession today, but uh, we tried to play quick in behind and I think this helps us. We have to, the guys, the strikers there to, to do this and uh, after 70 minutes brought two new one-ins and they had a good impact in the game also. Uh, I'm happy for, for all the, the lads and, and it, was, it was a good performance from our side. Poland had four, we had 28, so it, it's a little bit of a, of a uh, signal how, how, how strong we have been today. And this is exactly how we want to play at home. Uh, I think the atmosphere was also fantastic today. Thanks a lot. Uh, fans was a little bit um, yeah, demanding to be more loud, to help them more, and they have been fantastic today. So it was. I think they appreciated it a lot to play here and enjoyed it a lot, and um, this was a fantastic game for us. Glenn, just finally then to wrap up the Villa game, how important do you think that win was? I mean, I said earlier on it could have been deemed a, a six-pointer. The run of games we've got, West Ham away, which we'll come on to preview in a bit, you know, you find yourself sort of thinking two more wins, we're probably just about safe, and you're starting to look up the table again. 
I'm a natural pessimist, so I look, you know, we're <laughs> 10 points clear. That. Yeah, we're 10 points clear now. So yeah. 10 points clear of the drop. As long as we don't completely collapse. It's looking like there's six teams in a little block now yeah. below yeah. Newcastle who are looking like the ones who are going to be, it's going to be three from that or two from that five plus Norwich that go. Um, yeah, it gets you looking up the table again. And, you know, with the with the run of games that we've got, why not? The next three. Yeah, why not? I mean, if we if we get seven points out of the next three games or something like that, then you, you're very much in the in the mix for seventh, eighth, ninth sort of thing. So, and that, that's what we need to be looking at. If we'd lost, we'd have been in a dreadful state all of a sudden, and mm. people would have started panicking again. You know, especially if we lost the previous two or three, whatever it was. So it was a huge game, which is why I was surprised with the small bone selection at the start. But fair play to Ralphie, he uh, stuck his neck out, and it it worked really well. Okay, with the 2019-20 TSP FPL trophy now safely arrived and tucked away in a box, probably uh, in the same drawer as that spa voucher, I thought it prudent to take a look at the current TSP FPL standings. Narita's comment, certainly not due to my own performance, I have to say. So the standings are after the games played on Saturday the 22nd of February 2020, and it's competitive at the top of our league, that's for sure. In fifth place at the moment, we have uh, Yesterday, which is Brian Stevens. So Brian's on 1,577 points. Fourth place is Zena Jeffrey, Zena's Warriors, 1,580 points. In third place is Salt and Pepe, Tom Mason, which is 1,592 points. Second place is Ben Breers. I used to play football with Ben, so good to see you doing well up there, Ben. Flying without Ings. 1,599 and uh, currently in a comfortable first position is Steve Conway out in Singapore homeward bound and he's on 1625 uh, in terms of some others obviously I quickly wrote down ours um, I have to add uh, that I had Jimenez and Calvert-Lewin playing today and I've got Manny as captain tomorrow but currently I'm 255th which is the worst of the TSP panel there's a, uh, a sort of pattern forming here with the prediction league but uh, TSP plodders are 1,323 Steve's on 173rd position the week two wildcard 13 1887. Glenn is 90th, uh, League 1 minus 10, 1444. Lucy, obviously you're doing well, we know you take it seriously. Shade Dream Believers, currently in 17th, which is a strong position with the uh, the running coming, 1542. So, you relatively happy? No, not really. I've had a bad run. Well, it's better than 255th, I'll give you that. Well, yeah, that is true. Um, I've dropped rank four out of the last five weeks so i'm not on a good run um but no it gets interesting now because we get blank weeks and double game weeks and all of that nonsense so yeah indeed and uh i thought i'd write down a few others glenn 90th doesn't sound bad but unfortunately joe's 55th on 1481 so he's about 40 points ahead of you yeah he's doing well and he keeps reminding me (laughs) of that fact it's uh yeah it's great every time i think i've had a decent week i have a look and he's always got 10 points more than me so (laughs) it's um it's uh yeah it's not going terribly well in my house and uh yeah i think i'm gonna have to uh concede at some point in the in the near future but uh but there you go it as lucy says it all gets messed up with uh double game weeks and i assume next week with the cup final it will be uh yeah we've yeah, yeah, got some like teams that. missing yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so there we go well a couple of others just to finish 41st is sam appleton sam's been on the pod before fraser fraudsters 1498 uh 61st is ralph's ravers andy davis 1478 75th is last year's winner bob brown magic 68 on 1461 and the last one i'm going to do this week 87th is Penny Cotton on the Isle of Wight, Mad Cows 1447. 
To finish this week's pod, no, not the chat about Charlie Austin's free but strongly worded tweets. Instead, a preview of the West Ham away fixture because that is far more worthy of the time and energy. Glenn, West Ham, uh, they look good on paper but uh, struggling badly on the pitch for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. Well, appointing David Moyes was not a great idea, was it? Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you talk about West Ham. We were talking about, you know, Shane Long's nether regions earlier on, and that kind of leads us nicely onto the West Ham owners, really, doesn't it? Um, the, the, the whole, you know, in There's what a strong theme um, throughout the To the, the, the dildo dome. Yeah, yeah. To the, to the taxpayer bowl sponsored by, yeah, various sex toys. But it, it's a toxic club at the mm. moment. You know, the, the fans hate the owners, the everyone hates the manager, um, the, the players don't seem to be putting it in. On paper they've got a half decent squad, but they just they just don't seem to uh don't seem to be playing for all the reasons mentioned before. So mm. and I think we would do everyone a massive favour by, by beating them on um, Saturday and, and pushing them towards relegation a little bit more. I mean, they're going to get thrashed by Liverpool in a couple of days or whenever it is Monday, is it? Um, so hopefully they'll get a proper beating off of them. And then, you know, they'll see the game against us or they should see it as a huge chance for three points. Um, we owe them because we haven't played well against them the last few mm-hmm. times. we've beat them, And I think it's a very good opportunity for us to go there and, uh, and pick up points. Um, you know, they beat us at St. Mary's. Uh, Michael Antonio was the main man then, but luckily because Moyes is in charge now yeah. and it was Pellegrini before, um, he probably won't play Antonio as a centre forward. Um, he'll probably play someone else and leave all their good players on the bench like he has been doing recently. So. It's <laughs> <laughs> brutal. Oh, oh no, it's, it's, it's terrific. And I, I, I've got nothing against West Ham. I've actually got quite a few friends who support them, but. Um, one of my so mates. This Gar- is all building up to a two-nil West Ham. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it really is. One of my, one of my mates, Gary, he's refused to go since they moved from uh, Upton Park, and he said, "I would take a relegation now if it got rid of the clowns mm. that are in charge. They're they're that fed up with it at the moment." Um, and I do feel quite quite sorry for him, but I do hope they go down. Yeah, and Steve, as Glenn said, I'm reluctant to get too sort of taking the Mickey too much because otherwise you know what's going to happen next Saturday. But uh, David winning is what I do. Moyes obviously came back in for his <laughs> second stint. Uh, currently, West Ham are bottom of the form table, so clearly he doesn't win every game. But uh, look, I mean, were you surprised that he got reappointed as a second stint? Bearing in mind his record's not amazing since he left Everton. No, because their owners are idiots. Yeah, there's a theme running um, through the pod again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually don't think Moyes is that bad. I think his his time at Man United was not as bad as people made out. Um, Ferguson gave him a huge hospital pass mm. that basically anybody who took that job was going to be screwed. Um, and he's kind of paid for it a little bit since. Um, the job he actually did in his first spell at West Ham was actually quite good, I thought. Mm. Um, so then so then bringing him back 18 months later kind of made a little bit of sense. But what they really should have done was stuck with him back then rather than use him as this weird emergency option mm. when they've already decided publicly that he wasn't good enough and he wasn't what they wanted. Um, I mean, it just kind of goes to show the lack of direction, the lack of any sort of idea of what they actually want to achieve um, at boardroom level. They're, they are an absolute shambles. Mm, yeah. And uh, as for Saints then, Lucy, our record up there isn't great against West Ham, be it Upton Park or the London Stadium. Of course, we won our first game up at the London Stadium, but we've lost the last two back-to-back 3-0 uh, defeats. And it's five defeats on our last seven at uh, West Ham over the last few years uh, in the Premier League. So it can be a tough place to go to. We haven't done particularly well there. 
No, we, we don't have a great record there. I'd say, though, that this is unusually bad for West Ham. So mm. I, I think of all the recent times, um, this is probably our best opportunity to get something out of the game. Um, they've spent a huge amount of money on not a lot of good. Um, and I think it's got to the point now where I, I know people have said, you know, West Ham fans have said, oh, I'd rather we got relegated so we could get rid of our owners. Um, given what's recently come out about their financial situation, um, actually getting relegated could be pretty catastrophic for them mm. just because of the way they've been so financially mismanaged. I, I get that they wanted to back Pellegrini in the market and get in players that he felt suited his style, but for whatever reason, they're not really working. Um, Sebastian Allaire, they spent £40 million on and he scored six Premier League goals, mm. which is yeah, just... One against us, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's just clearly not what they've paid for. And now they've bought Jared Bowen seemingly just to beat Palace to it was the vibe I got and haven't really played him he came yeah. on for like 10 minutes um, and Moyes yeah. again this week said oh well I'm going to gently phase him in because he's a championship player and I know what it's like to manage championship players seemed to be the vibe mm. um, he'll have another game. go next season <laughs> <laughs> has, has, has did Moyes... you actually start Antonio up front last week though I know Glenn was saying he didn't but he's recently given up with Alaire and put mm. Antonio up front so I wonder if he'll do the same given yeah see I was going to ask you Lucy because I imagine bearing in mind what happened at St Mary's you know and Haller's obviously short of goals they're probably fancy lumping it up to him and him being fairly physical yeah, with maybe. our centre backs so you, you kind of wonder then whether the likes of Jared Bowen wouldn't get a game because you don't need a winger if you've got people just lumping it from the back that might be what they resort to I mean they don't really have a clear definitive style anymore do they so no. which I guess makes it hard for do. Ralph doesn't it probably to try and work out what they're going to do as well I think given how decent we've been recently and how poor they've been I think mm. I think Ralph's just going to play to our strengths yeah. and kind of rely on that doing the job and I think that's entirely the right way to play I think They've faffed about with three at the back and four at the back, and I don't think they have a clear idea what they're doing there either. So, um, no, I familiar. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do have a clear idea now. Well, we do now, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think he'll just go for what, what he knows and, and hope that that does the job. And I think, given all the problems they've had, particularly um, in kind of being a cohesive attacking force, I think mm. he'll feel quite confident. Yeah. And uh, Steve, I mean, from a Saints point of view, what we're thinking, hopefully, fingers crossed, KWP back at right back, probably Prousey into midfield. And bearing in mind the sort of experience of Mark Noble and Declan Rice, maybe not a game that you would play small bone, as you mentioned earlier. I mean, to be honest, I'm not up on the Declan Rice hype, personally. Um, he had a good game against us. A couple of years back. back into- yeah. Yeah, last season I think it was, but um, yeah, I'm I'm not not entirely convinced. He seems to basically be a middling centre half who's trying to job his way through as a as a holding midfielder, and it's it's just not it's just not working. And he's like, um, I mean, even the the couple of England games he played against pretty poor opposition, he was found wanting on on a number of occasions. So I'm not not convinced by him. Noble's been been around the block and he's he's done it and he's he'll referee it. He, Oh yeah, I mean he's he's basically Kevin Nolan Mark Two, isn't yep. he? Um, Without the goals. <laughs> yeah, you want experience still up against him. So I think yeah, War Prowse, assuming Walker Peters is fit for next week, I think Walker Peters comes straight back in for Smallbone with War Prowse back into the centre midfield. Mm. Um, so I think War Prowse and Hoyberg against against Noble and can't even think who else they've got in their centre midfield these days. Is Carlos Sanchez still there? They've got that Suchek fella. Oh yeah, he he, oh, yeah. he looks he looks like he might have something, but mm. he's played what two games for them, yeah, and, yeah. and he's quite young. And it's difficult difficult to know what's 
what's going to happen there. I mean, given that, I mean, the two games he's played have been, what, Man City and, was the last one Liverpool? Yeah, it'll be it's Liverpool. Not sometimes yeah. play central midfield, doesn't he? Jesus, it, it, I mean, that, it's, it's becoming a championship team, that. Yeah. Having yeah. spent the best part of 300 million quid. It's, it's <laughs> well, yeah, Fornells doesn't seem much cop either, does he? They spent quite a lot of money on him as well. Mm. And they've still got, still got players like Felipe Anderson and um, who's the other one, Lanzini, and players like that that can cause trouble. I don't think Anderson's had a good game since since he basically uh, he won, won the game against us. He was on the bench uh, of Man City, yeah, uh, but uh, we'll see. But look, Glenn, I mean, focusing on Saints then, just to finish before we do our predictions, um, I guess, bearing in mind the uh, Villa result, and our away form this season, we can kind of go up there, pressure off, and take the game to West Ham and you know, get the crowd on their back, because we know it's going to be, uh, if we can do that, they'll probably get restless quite quickly. Yes, they will do, absolutely. And that's what I've, what I've written on my notes here. They'll, they'll turn on themselves, and they'll mm-hmm. turn on the board, and they'll turn on the manager. And um, as long as we start the game reasonably well, um, even if we don't score, if we you know, play decent possession football for 20 minutes, they, um, they won't fancy it yeah. at all. And it, it will start to build there. Um, you know, it's the usual thing against West Ham. Usually, it's their physicality that does us. Um, Declan Rice and Obiang, people like that, just seem to batter us out the way, and 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 that's how they've beaten us recently. But um, they're quite a pedestrian team defensively. Yeah. So if we can do our usual away performance and break quickly, I I see us having some joy as long as we can sort of like manage the physicality that they will no doubt throw against us. So uh, yeah, I'm quite looking quite looking forward to it. To the game, and I, th- I think it's another one like um, like against Villa, where the approach of the the opposition um, could well suit us. Yeah, right. It's prediction time. The moment in the pod where the guys are all fairly uh, optimistic and positive, and I always predict us to lose. Um, firstly, Glenn, well done. You obviously uh, we did these offline because there was no pod last week, but uh, Lucy, Steve, and Glenn all went for uh, Saints to win. Uh, Lucy, I think you were three one. I think Steve two one. Oh, you were two one. Steve was three one, and then Glenn was two nil. So Glenn, well done. You get three points. So uh, I've done a quick prediction league update. Um, there's quite a gap now. So Steve, the reigning champ, is in fourth on uh, fifteen points. I'm in third on sixteen points. Lucy's in second on seventeen points. Glenn, you're doing Adam proud. You're out on twenty one points. So uh, a bit of a comfort zone there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, no there pressure. we go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so we probably should start with you then, Glenn, and then everyone can follow, can't they? Well, as I, as you rightly said, predicted a home win and a clean sheet, um, <laughs> I think everyone should just copy what I'm about to say. Well, I had a good stat here, which I've forgotten to read out. Two home clean sheets in our last four games, uh, Spurs and Villa. Before that, we had two home clean sheets in previous 28. So that makes your prediction even more impressive. Yeah, or madness, whichever <laughs> way you whichever way you want to look at it. Um, West Ham away. Uh, I fancy to win this. I have to say I'm going to go... West Ham 1, Southampton 2. Excellent, all right. Oh, that's what I was going to go for. Well, you, can, you can still go for it. We've, yeah, we've loosened the rules you know, since Adam Leach left. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, but I'm thinking there's a four-point gap oh, now. Right, okay. I've got to play it. Ta- yeah. No, I'm, I'm still going to go 1-2. All right, so Lucy's 1-2 as well. Excellent. That was a good build-up, Lucy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, what do you reckon? Well, all three games that we've had at the London Stadium have finished 3-0, and I think the fourth will also be 3-0. Oh, I know which uh, way you're three, going three, three, 3-0 win. Blimey, this is excellent. All right, good. Well, I, I predicted us to draw one all against Burnley. We lost. I predicted us to draw one all against Wolves. We lost. Just like Mark Lawrence and I predicted us to lose 2-1 to Aston Villa and we won. So, obviously, I'm going to stick with a very tried and tested method of predicting West Ham to win 2-1. Ooh.
Well, that's it for uh, TSP 103. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, you're always welcome to get in touch. Please do. Facebook, you can find us, Total Saints Pod. Comment on uh, or DM. Uh, Twitter is at Total Saints Pod. Tweet us or DM us as well. And if not, you can email us, Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com. Otherwise, thanks to Lucy, Glenn and Steve for giving up their time as always. We'll be back next weekend to reflect on that West Ham game. And as long as all goes to plan, a certain legendary number seven will also be joining us for our total recall yes tis true until then keep marching in days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.